Okay, well, welcome to, uh, I guess, the, the first official episode of the Not Drinking Poison podcast. Uh, my name is Aaron Aiskoff, uh, and I'm here today with my friend Michel Moulourat, uh, who has led an illustrious career in natural wine, uh, and I, he also has the distinction of probably being the person who most responsible for my own discovery of natural wine back when I first moved to Paris in 2009. Um, today we're sitting in a lovely garden in the town of Loche, uh, in the Touraine area near Tours uh, in the Loire. And uh, we're here to chat, uh, chat a bit to Michel and uh, learn more about, uh, from his incredible wealth of experience uh, in, uh, in the, some very formative years of the, of the world of natural wine. So, hi Michel, how are hi, you? Hi, hello. <laughs> um, so, uh, I guess you'd say um, you're time as a as a wine retailer uh, covered in in Paris at the La Cave de l'Insolite that was from 2002 roughly through 2011 11, yeah. yeah and um but you were already into natural wine circles before that well to be honest you know it was like um, i guess proper curiosity i was i was wondering why all the background I had on wine properly you know sc- scholar type of and i wondered why should it all be used chemicals in the vineyards and in the, in the cellars? Lots of it, and no one ever mentioned it. It was like natural <laughs> to to use all this uh, chemistry into the wine. So starting actually asking questions and meeting people that were, I guess, more open-minded than the average, and it started experiences of no sulfites, no chemicals in the vineyards, and I grew up a great interest for that sort of work. And it's, it was my taste, to be honest. I prefer that type of wine than the conventional wines with uh, sort of more chemicals in the, in the cellars and, uh, and a bottle. And so that was already back in the 1990s that you'd, you'd kind was, of turned guess, in that direction? I guess very late 90s. You know, I ran into people like Jean-Pierre, Robineau, mm-hmm. or like, uh, you know, all these kinds of... And a little older than me, but uh, they were interested yeah. and I kind of developed the taste for that type mm-hmm. of wine with them. Yes. Because to rewind a little bit, I guess uh, you had a you had a more classical wine education. Uh, uh, how did, uh, when did you begin that? You said it was right after military service. Yeah, just yeah. after right after military service. I worked six months in um, in a stock exchange, Bourse de Paris, for a few months just to you know make a living. It was next door to my home at the time, and um, I applied for a job at Stevens Paris shop, Cave de la Madeleine, in the eighth. And uh, yeah, we we did a lot of uh, you know classical wines to to put it that way, and. Um, it's later, a little later on, and I worked for Tim Johnson and Mark Williamson oh, at really? uh, the Willis Wine oh, Bar. Yeah, yeah, okay, it's yeah. more like a restaurateur uh, yeah, yeah. job. And then learned more about every region. But um, yeah, I had a really classical background at the start. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to be thorough and learn about Italian wines, Spanish wines, but all regions of France, which is quite a bit of a, a work because uh, it takes forever to learn it, learn it all. And then back in, say, I guess in late 99s, not 90s, so maybe 98, 99, I started to get interested in. Uh, in the you know, natural wines yeah. as such. You, you mentioned uh, Jean-Pierre Robineau. At that time, he would have had uh, the second location of, uh, was it Langevin, his, his yeah. bistro, yes? I went, <coughs> I went to Langevin in 11, near Place Voltaire. For mm-hmm. a, it's great fun, you know, just tasting wines and talking about wines. Very, very interesting. I love the time, actually. Very, very interesting. I really liked it. Met a lot of, you know, winemakers there. Mm-hmm. And... Even when he moved out to the Grand Boulevard, I went to his place. It was different. It was more of a restaurant. But the Langevin first place was a, a proper wine bar, you know, lots of wines to drink, simple food, mm-hmm. which was perfect to taste wines, really. Yeah. You know, you know. And, uh, and so basically, uh, it's interesting, like around the time that Robino decided to embrace his lifestyle as a vigneron in 2001, yeah. and that was also right around the time, you know, shortly after that, you became a caviste yourself. Yeah, I, w- I worked well. I worked for Stephen for two years, and then... I guess almost three years for Mark and Tim Johnson, mm-hmm. Mark Williamson, Tim Johnston. That was restaurant more like wine bar. Yeah. There were great selections of Rhone wines. They were they were the top in the world for that really. Then moved back to I worked for the for five years in the Creon as, as a sommelier with a gear with a uniform, and, mm-hmm. and then moved on to to start my own businesses a yeah. wine bar in the, in the 15th where I lived. So it was, it was quite handy. Mm-hmm. Long hours, very long hours. You had a place in the 15th. Really? Yeah, at a small wine bar. Okay. Well, you know, what was we poured beer. Called? It's called the Insolite. Oh, okay. So, so I, didn't re- I didn't realize there was an Insolite before. Oh, the Cabin and Cabin Insolite. Okay. Yeah, it, was, it was just great times, long hours, but, you know, we met lots of people and we tried to introduce people to natural wines. We were with guys mm-hmm. like Puzla, Christian Venier, 
The wine was cheap, so we said, well, why don't you not drink a glass of wine rather than beer or pastis? You know, it was a change of, uh, of mentality and be open-minded towards the, the wine and even more so the natural wines. Interesting. And in which years did you have Lanzolite in the 15th? Uh, that was, um, I think it was uh, right after the Creons and... 90, 90, around 95 to 2000. Okay, wow, as long as that. And so, and do you remember at a place like uh, Lancelite uh, or even La Cave de Lancelite, what were your first purchases? You know, who were who were the who were the winemakers that you found yourself supporting from well, the very beginning I, I, there? I bought lots with uh, people from the Loire. Actually, when when I started natural wines, like as I said, you know. The, the brothers Puzla and Christian Venier, um, Hervé Villemal, all this gang from, from up in the Cheverny area. Then I moved on to the, the Rhone Valley a lot. I, I bought a lot of wines from, uh, in those days, you could buy wines from Thierry Allemand or, uh, you know, Darren Ribot and Father Self. You know, I worked a lot with, uh, with Marcel Richaud, uh, Jean David, mm -hmm. uh, Guy Julien, all these guys. Which, I very often say that was what was interesting is meeting the guys first and then get to, to love their wines. But the people were important, you know. Definitely. That was the, the real difference between buying wine blindly because they had a brand mark or, you know, a nice label. Mm -hmm. Now we went further down into the, the proper juice, the, the, the vin, the, the wine, and the people making it. You yeah. know? I mean, it's one of the, I mean, I've, I always tell people one of the reasons I've stayed in Paris so long myself is because it's so easy to get to the wine regions. Yeah, 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 and then that's, that's the fun part, actually, going to learn on site in these places. Well, yeah. just you know, see the vineyards, see the land where they grow, and the, the cellaring, you know, how it's made—barrels, no barrels, you know, plastic, whatever. It's interesting to to have a thorough view on on, on the on the stuff. You know, you, mm -hmm. you can't say I'm buying it because I've been told to buy it. Just you got to be, you know, a bit like curious. I said, you know, want wanting to learn more, and then. Obviously, the pleasure that you get from drinking wine, natural or not, mm -hmm. who cares? But it's uh, it's even more so pleasurable. You know, you, you yeah. just a great time. So you have the intellectual pleasure of the context for yeah. the creation of these and things. And you know what you're drinking. And you know, if you don't know, like I was, I was always keen to learn more. So you say technical questions. Why, why do you do this? Why do you filter? Why do you stop filtering? Why do you stop you know, adding sulfites? Why do you use barrels of 500 liters rather than 225? Well, that's sort of a technical. Part of it is, is important. You know, you, you definitely want to know how it's made and yeah. where it's made, by whom. You know, it's, it's, and then you know, when you, when you drink a wine, you say, oh wow, bloody hell, a Syrah made in maceration carbonique, for instance, and you could spot out the differences and the style and that you know the people talent really yeah. to make a, to make the difference. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, I guess, the timing as well uh, of you opening uh, La Cave de Lancelite in the 11th arrondissement in Paris. That's right around the time that, uh, you know, as mentioned, Robino was becoming a winemaker. He was also beginning to, uh, or I think he had an early group back then called Les Peripheriques, uh, yeah. uh, along with uh, Babas and sure. Pat, uh, Patrick Desplat. Yeah, and yeah. That was really, I think, the, I mean, I often cite it, and as, as my understanding is that was really one of the first times that you had people, vignerons, organizing around a principle of absolutely zero yeah. sulfide addition, zero filtration, and a, a very, very radical uh, proposition of natural wine. Um, and where did you stand on, uh, on that at that time? Well, actually, I never was obsessed by the no sulfites at all. I was mm -hmm. more, more uh, worried about you know, the chemicals in the vineyards and the a very, very strong filtering. But of course, you know, if I drink with no, well, no sulfites, so I drink them. We've we've known with time that it's, you need a lot of mastering. You need to to have cool cellars, and it's not an easy um, pass. You know, mm -hmm. to say no nothing. Yeah. Why not? But I like the idea that people that were you know were brave enough were uh, you know say let's try. We're going to lose wine into vinegar or, mm -hmm. or dump it in the in the gutter, but they still tried hard to learn and pass on their, their knowledge and say, well, we've made it, you know, no sulfites from A to Z, and it works. Yeah. That was the, the main um, sort of worry about, um, about conventional winemakers, said, well, we're going to lose wine, which was true. You know, you lose a couple of barrels. When you have 10, you lose two or three. It's mm -hmm. bad news for you, for your survival. Yeah, I mean, all this But in the end, you know, guys, we mentioned Patrick Desplat, Babas. I love Jérôme Sourigny, he's a great man mm -hmm. for me. And he's, he's, he's very honest about it. He say, well, you know, I really have a hard time with this wine. I mean, we argue, so, but why don't you keep, let it go, let it 
just wait and wait and wait until maybe change it. And you know, he's, he's done this kind of experiences with uh, very strong alcohol rosés that turn into a bit of an oxidized one, and it's doing a great job. I mean, you know, but you, you've got to have guts to be yeah. to be doing that sort of thing. A lot of courage and open mindedness. Yeah, and you know, you may you may have to leave uh, eat potatoes and uh, yeah. for for a few weeks to to you know, losing wine is no good ever. Yeah. But, uh, he, those guys did, you know. Sure. I, mean, I remember when I first got to Paris in 2009. It was, you know, that would have been one of the one of the last few vintages from uh, Babas and Desplat working together at sure. Le Griot. Mm-hmm. And I remember I mean, those were some of the most shocking wines, I, uh, bottles I had ever seen or tasted uh, in Paris at the time, because you'd see a whole cyclone of what looked like leaves, you know, like of, like extreme, extreme leaves or tartaric deposits or sure. all these things. No, no um, filtering, like you know, very, very but also like things bottled in a very yeah. living state. Um, very yeah, and, and you've got to. You know, I, I talk very frankly, very honestly with Babas and, and Patrick, and I always said, Fuck, you know, it's hard. To, it's, it's really difficult to to get what you what you want us to drink. It's it's it's, it's too too high volatile, or the the, the the smoke into the bottle. It's, it's very. But you say, well, you know, give it time, take your time, try to find all within these thoughts. Try to find the beauty of it, and it's true. It's like it's much of you know your, your frame of mind changes and you say yeah yeah there's lots of faults you know you accept it and you say if the wine needs more time i'll wait if need carafe you know that mm. the wine can be very gassy can can really uh, stink of volatile and it's it's bad for your stomach so you, you know you, you you're questioning things and that's, mm. that's how it works really yeah. And those bottles these days you know many, many of them are incredibly well preserved you know and, and, yeah, yeah and they keep be, very be, well yeah. Yeah. yeah there was a very great critical criticism about uh, the wines wouldn't keep it's it's wrong you've got to have proper cellaring but they do keep you mm-hmm. know i've got all wines from uh, jerome and uh, patrick de and other regions they, yeah. they've kept very well yeah, they've yeah. kept well i mean you know it's uh, i'd rather have uh, you know to work on a proper cellaring condition mm-hmm. we, we take a look downstairs it's, it's 10 12 all year round it's very damp very humid yeah you lose a lot of labels but, <laughs> but the wines say is is kept very well yeah you know? Yeah. And do you mean in your early days buying early you know, early radical natural wines? Did you have any uh, like nightmare scenarios, like bottles exploding or? Yeah. Uh, not quite. <laughs> I had some uh, you know bugs within the bottles. Bugs uh, in the bottles. Pu- yeah, massive uh, big uh, roaches. Spider roaches. <laughs> yeah, well, or spiders. You know, spiders in a cobweb. Very yeah, strange. Yeah. Oh, we just filter it. So, right? yeah. but. Where some bottles could, uh, yeah, like Petit Naturel could, like, well, you know, you open a bottle, half the bottle would explode in your face on the ceiling. Yeah. But, you know, we, we knew it afterwards. We were careful. We say, oh, a, a, a fizz from Babas or from Patrick and Babas. Mm. Careful opening it. Just don't let it go otherwise, ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and wines that could be oily. That was, yeah. There was a time, yeah, but mm. the Puzzlers, we had lots of wines. Mm. But we knew how to manage, where well, we learned how to. And yeah. in the end, we just. Um, Sometimes the vineyard, the, the winemaker would say, careful, there may be a few, uh, uh, they can be very gassy, reprise mm. de, de gaz yeah. in the bottle, you know, and the fermentation. Can be, um, you know, the early bottling is always, uh, you've got to be careful. Mm. I think we, we talk with Jean-Christophe Garnier, for instance, we talk about uh, early bottling uh, with the heat, you know, not to develop the volatile. You can make natural wines, but the early bottling can be a very, very good uh, way out. Yeah. Only problem is, if you bottle, like maybe you don't check with a with a lab that mm-hmm. the the malolactic is yeah. is really finished. You, um, you you know you close it into the bottle, mm-hmm. and, it, and it, that wine can be kind of um, hard to drink. And yeah. even yeah. with time, it doesn't really recover ever. I don't think. I mean, I've, yeah, I've, I've, I've had some yeah some experiences with with winemakers who are definitely bottling before malo is finished, and it. Sometimes it can make these really weird, long-lived wines. It feels like, but then, it, but you just have to wait for them because they go through every weird phase of adolescence in the bottle. Yeah, yeah. it's not easy. I mean, you know, uh, I'm not trying to teach them a lesson, whatever. Mm. But just you've got to be honest with your with customers. You know, often those guys are friends. You know, so we we talk totally freely and say, "Well, fuck, it's no good, bad, ah, difficult to drink, too gassy." Too volatile, too oily. Now the, the souris, the famous mice. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the climate has changed, and the way to grow wines has changed. You know, mm-hmm. you don't run the the vineyards the same way, and the, the fermentation is, has changed, mm-hmm. and the bottling should change, and you know the the élevage should change. So it's we're in a phase of uh, 
of uh, different ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you you know you forget about your, where you come from, the yeah. past or the tradition. I really I'm keen on you know keeping tradition. You know, say big food rather than small Bordeaux burgundy barrels. But you've got to be looking at things very seriously. You know, changing the in the in the, the yeast work, changing the bacterial um, panel there. It's not easy. You've yeah. got to. You know, you've got a really open mind. When you to talk about the, the importance of of élevage, it's uh, it's, a, it's a work that is really in parallel to the later work of a good caviste, which sure. almost nobody does anymore. No. Of actually waiting, holding maybe, on the bottles, maybe and one or two years still when they're yeah, ready. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A guy, maybe a guy like Mike Michael, Michael, you know, yeah, Michael, of course, Michael is, yeah, yeah, he does. Michael the does the the aging, and it's, it's always a great fun to go to see him and say, "Do you not have an, an old one from this domain?" Yeah. He said, "Yeah." Yeah. And I, obviously, he makes this huge effort, and the wine is perfect because it's been saved in a cellar, mm-hmm. and, and it's ready to drink. We yeah. always drink wine too fast, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And did you, uh, did you, before you before you uh, you closed uh, the Cave de l'Ancelite, did you already have a sense that the natural wine market was accelerating in some way, or that it was? There's there's definitely a, a greater demand for um, for bio wines, you know, organic wine. Mm-hmm. Um, then. Do most people that would say a, a demand? A, a, je veux absolument a, a bio wine, mm-hmm. bio wine. But are they ready to to go a step forward with natural? Some away, you know. But um, yeah, but, you know, definitely the organic wine is is most people wouldn't buy. Even you know, elder people say no, no bio, I don't buy. You know, they, yeah. they, they want bio wine, and the natural wine will take a bit more time. But you know, yeah, obviously, mm-hmm. slowly, you know. But you know, even in Bordeaux and Burgundy, guys doing natural wines. You know, mm. you know, it's they were the last to, to join the, the the crew. Yeah. But um, evidently, you know, guys like um, yeah, Loire Valley was was a, a very much in advance. All the guys from Ardèche, you know, André Calèche, um, all the guys from there, you know, yeah. Andrea and and uh, uh, Gérard so, Dustrick and uh, Gérard, Gérard yeah. was the first to you know say. Uh, get out of the the cup, and I'll, I'll have you have uh, in a fermage on my little Syrah here or the Aramon, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's spots of, of natural wine, it's everywhere now. Yeah, these clusters Anjou, really change the region. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there was a few uh, precursors, and you know, they say, well, let's go for it, and we try to to go all the way. So even with failures and losing wine, they still you know kept on uh, looking for it, mm-hmm. doing it. Right? Yeah, I mean, there's a, it's it's like there's a, there's a there's a, a, a negotiant in Ardèche now, Daniel Sage, who was t- mm-hmm. telling me once about, uh, you know, his, you know, his path in winemaking, and he said straight up, you know, in early early 2010s, there were a couple of vintages where I probably could have made better wines by adding a little bit of sulfites, but then I wouldn't have been learning how to make wine without sulfites, and sure. I wanted to learn how to make wine yeah. without sulfites, and uh, that's a quote that really stuck with me about this perseverance and of uh, with this path, because one little thing like sulfites or filtration. It conditions all of the path that goes up to that moment. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not an it's not an easy path. Like to, to say I I will only drink uh, natural wines, but why not? You say well, it's like say people say um, I don't want to eat um, meat. Mm. Why not? It's like people say uh, you know um, I refuse to uh, go go kill other people in a war. Say so, you know that's not my choice. And drinking natural wine mm. is a, is a is a it's not difficult. It's just a man of, you know, man of mine. You say, that's what I want to drink, and I'll, I'll rather drink water or yeah. tea or coffee. And what does what, what is one be, defending? What is one for you? Uh, what is one defending when one says, "I only want to drink natural wine"? Well, uh, for my for my person, mm-hmm. absolutely, it's, it's a question of purity. Say, well, we why would you not do wines? It's naturally fermenting. You need a container. You need to pick up proper, nice, sound grapes. And it'll work, you know. Mm-hmm. It might be 13 or 12 or 14. It might be low acidity or a terrible pH, but mm-hmm. you still, you know, say, we'll, we'll drink it. Mm-hmm. Our grand-grandfathers would drink, uh, people say they were drinking plunk. Say, well, you know, one year was 11, mm-hmm. sometimes even less. They, they drank tons of wines compared to us. They drank, you know, 1930s was, uh, the average was 175 litres. Mm-hmm. 60s was 100. Per now person we're, we're 40. talking about per year. Yeah, yes. yeah. A consumption mm-hmm. per, per capita and yeah. per year. So now people say, well, yeah. Then if you don't want to drink plunk, you drink 
pure wine, proper natural wines. And it works. Some years it'll be better than others. Mm -hmm. Jean-Christophe Garnier in Anjou has made some fantastic 21s. Mm -hmm. Very local, bitter, you know, biting the, the sharpness of it. Yeah. Of course, his, his 22s are very different. Mm -hmm. Nothing to, con to compare, but I love the 21s. They're yeah. very, very, very good. 21s yeah. everywhere. It's such a wonderful vintage. Yeah, uh, well, some did very little. Yeah. You know, Christophe Fouché from La Lunotte did two yeah. barrels instead of yeah. 40. So yeah. it's a b bad news yeah, for him because he did too little. Frost? Yeah. Um, it's mildew, more like. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's just more like, you know, lots of damp mm. weather, heavy, yeah. and the mildew went and mm. went down to the grape straight and finished. Yeah. But 22 did a fantastic job, you know, mm. and 20. So. He's not at risk to disappear from the the, the, the face of, yeah. of winemaking. Yeah, of course. But, uh, you know, he was he was quite bitter. He said, fuck, you know, all this work, pruning and plowing my land and taking care of the vineyards and having nothing to, to, to drink at the end of the year. Yeah, to not, not have anything no. to drink or any money at the end of the year. Yeah, it's not easy. difficult, yeah. 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 And so to follow, to go back to your story, your own story a little bit. So after... Uh, Closing the Cave de Lancelite, I know you did a lot of consultancy for a while. Or? I did a bit of writing. I did writing. a bit of writing for uh, like wine, wine newspapers. Mm -hmm. It was like a, an extra job. You yeah. know? Did a bit of that um, for about a year, really, in 10, 11 months, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Then went back to the to restaurant trade and we're mm -hmm. working sort of part times, four months in a row, you know, mm -hmm. and then more. I did more in a, in a wine shop and then back to the uh, restaurants just to make a living really it was like there was, there was La Poudrière when you see the yeah, menu you were involved with that uh, yeah while. I worked as well for uh, Le Cave d'Argent Jean-Luc D'Argent four four businesses yeah. in, in a wine cellar where, where, where back to those I was in the 20th okay, yeah. and the 15th sometimes okay, yeah. and then I went back to work for uh, La Poudrière and uh, yeah. you know just sort of support stuff you know summertime because yeah. the huge terrace so mm -hmm. I'd work four months and then do a lot of uh, which, I, which I really enjoyed it did a lot of um, of uh, harvest and, and calf work you know yeah and like, uh, pouring uh, where did you go work uh, harvest and in, in cellars uh, well you know I worked in Auvergne chez Jean Maupertuis I oh, worked great. in Jura mm -hmm. uh, François Louis Martin yeah. did a lot of time mm -hmm. well, as, if I go this year it'll be six year in a row that oh, I wow. go there yeah. I didn't realize you were so close with uh, oh yeah with we're good friends yeah. you know, we taste very old wines mm -hmm. open that and try it oh it's a 59er I'm 59 yeah. <laughs> oh this is 47 it's great to taste you know these very very precious all rare wines yeah, yeah. and to, mostly to to see that how well they've kept and they, they, they bloody you know amazing it's a wine very fresh it's a vin jaune but you know Chateau Chalon is like yeah. a vin jaune yeah. it's it's, they're Chateau not jaune Chateau. at all they're very very light in colour like, like yeah. a muscadet would be mm -hmm. and the smell is not necessarily nutty not nuts fresh nuts it can be flowers I yeah. find mostly really white roses or you know mm -hmm. white, fantastic Pure purity and it's it's great. And, and do you it find vinyls from that era are they are they not as concentrated, lower alcohol? Do you find or well, it depends on yeah. the because often well, they, they, the, the most um, or the, the, the key to it is is it, is it down the bottom cellaring, you know, in a cool, mm -hmm. very damp, very humid, very cold yeah. cellars or uh, attic. Yeah, attic is more like it madurizes, but yes. it can be very good as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's great. It it's accelerates the aging and yeah. the concentration yeah. process. Yeah. But it's uh, then it's darker in color, can be even brown, <laughs> very mm -hmm. very. And the scent of yeah, it would be like an old Madeira. Uh, it's yeah. very interesting. Or uh, Jerez, you know, mm -hmm. very good. And, and but so very different. Francoise are humid cellars, cold humid. Mostly. Oh, they're yeah. massively yeah. humid. It must be ninety yeah. percent uh, yeah. damp, you know, wow. and very cold. You know, winter. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, sort of worried about the fermentation in those cold cellars. You say, well, they might stop, you know, halfway through the, the, the years. If it's minus 15 outside, the cellar would be five or six yeah. inside. But um, it restarts. It's, you know, Vajon is six years minimum, so it'll finish by yeah. the six years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Francois has done experiences with 20 years of, of well and wow. of uh, floor. Yeah. And um, 25 and 20, mm -hmm. very, very interesting. The wine is, even a plain Gamay from uh, Beaujolais, you say, yeah. the wine doesn't keep. It's a light wine to drink and piss, as we're saying, Beaujolais. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you give it a time, you know. It just, um, I've, had, uh, I've had wines from, uh, from Domaine Gramnon, 2001. Poignet de raisin, you know, yeah. it's fresh, yeah, pure. They're, they're, they're it's 2001, and it, they taste, they've so changed, fine. of course, but they yeah. taste fine. So you, you just cannot say um, this one should be drunk within the year or three or five, or say, oh, this one can be aged 25 years or more. Mm -hmm. Say, well, you know, if you, if you want to drink it, before, you'll drink it at a, a certain stage of its aging. Mm -hmm. It can be too young or too old. Mm -hmm. Who cares? It's 
It's uh, as you said, you know, it's, uh, it's you want to drink wine, it's part of you say, I feel like a glass of wine. You drink it, you feel, oh, yeah, you can be you know critical. We say, oh, too young, too old, too much of this, or lack of that. It's uh, you, at least you've drunk a glass of wine. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, you don't in France, it's very it's disappeared uh, over the last 50 years. People drink a glass of wine, but it's like it's maybe it's fashionable. Say, oh, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not drinking beer, I drink wine, okay, one glass. You know, if we we hear in the family, what, what do you think is behind that societal change in France of well, people drinking you know, much less wine? Yeah, you know, it's the driving, the health issues. People say, oh, it's alcohol, and it's been doubleized a bit. You know, drinking mm. wines not not uh, not chic enough. Right? People drink uh, cocktails, yeah, it's been whatever. Yeah. But um, we have. It's funny because contrary to the United States or most most export markets, non non majority viticultural nations. Uh, Wine always has this sort of luxury sheen in the minds of the populace, whereas in France, you know, it, it can. It also has this slightly avuncular kind of quality that I think is true. Sometimes young people find it to be the beverage of old of old people. Right? Sure. I mean, I've often thought. I've often, you know, it's also. I think, maybe personally, I've theorized that it's. It's also related to. You know, we we don't have very few people have. Uh, Metier, phys- you know, jobs that are very physical anymore. As well, and when, you, and when you're when you're just sitting at a desk all day, of course you can't drink wine at lunch. It, you no, know, it, no. it's, it, it, you don't yeah. digest it. Well, no, you don't evidently, it. you know, the, the, yeah. the, the, the labor people used to drink massive amounts of wine, yeah. but and there's no, nobody anymore. Plus, you've got to drive the car home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to. It's it's different, obviously. But you it's know, like at harvest time, you know, you drink you know gallons and gallons, and it doesn't affect you really. Well, I try yeah. not to. Cause yeah. One, the next, one does, next yeah. morning, <laughs> the next morning, I'm just too tired to go up in the rows or yeah, yeah. you know lifting weights to, to <laughs> pour grapes into the the the, 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 the tank. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, well, we still like you know. If you like wine, natural wines even more so, that you say, well, you know, let's go for a round. We just yeah. drink wine and taste all the differences mm-hmm. and have fun. You know, it's it's it's, it's a slight uh, drunkenness. That it's great. You know, you don't don't. Mean, I drink whiskey, I drink pasties, yeah. whatever. But yeah. the wine is, it's a smooth way to get drunk. You know, and it's mm-hmm. uh, and it's so tasty. You know, you taste a Greek There's wine that, or Italian, yeah. Portuguese. I go a lot in Germany. Mm-hmm. Great wines from the Rhine or you know Rangel or Nahe. Most of the wines are fantastic, and they've got this image of sweet wines. Ninety yeah. percent is dry, bone dry now. They're doing more more dries than, than sweet wines. You know. And then, in terms of uh, recent discoveries for you, have there been regions uh, or, or specific estates uh, that you know, like because you said so now you're, you're basically retired now. Yeah, you say, yeah. And so, but are there still? You know, new things that you're discovering that well, are fascinating. I kind of like uh, the discovery. Just go next door. There's a village here, 20 miles, 20 kilometers, if that. And then um, knock on a door and say, or you know, pick pick up my phone and say, can I come and check, yeah. taste your wines? Yeah, come. And this is a way of always hunting for, not necessarily a new wine, but just a plain wine, your summertime wine, easy, cheap. Mm-hmm. The wine has gotten expensive, so you you know you've got to always find a wine that's uh, well made and. Uh, but doesn't cost you too much, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the great stuff is is not not for me anymore. It doesn't matter. There's no no grudge. I don't care. Yeah, there's always a lot of good inexpensive stuff yeah, that's still undervalued yeah, yeah. these days, at least in France. And you know, if you if you've experienced the taste of wines over the years and being curious all the time, you end up finding splendid stuff for cheap. You know, you mm-hmm. go in a Gaillac area, very wonderful. Provence is cheap. Bordeaux is cheap, all right. You know, you've got lots of wines. So, some have got always this image of a chateau, you know, with mm-hmm. uh, New York barrels, yeah. and it's changed. It's changed. All that is changing. But there's also yes, but yeah, people people tend to think of these Grand Cru as a very high, heavily financed areas of Bordeaux, but there's the whole entre deux mer area, area where everyone's you know trying to get subsidies to uproot their vines because they can't sell them anymore. And that's that's bad. Like the economical yeah. side of it is just dreadful. You know, Alsace has, has ten years of stock because. Yeah. Uh, because they don't sell enough, and you know, production they, is important. They do two yields that are a little too high. Also, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah. But and you yeah. know, Alsace is a very fertile, fertile region. Not only the, the plains, the, the plain, the plain du Rhin, but even on the slopes, the first slopes, just under the level of, of pine trees, the forests. Yeah. It's a very, very fertile, uh, sandy or you know, sandstones. And even if you are pruning seriously, you still end up with, with 40 uh, hectares. You know, 40 hectares are an hectare is high yields. Well, it seems like a, it seems like a lot for it'd be a lot for a lot of the natural guys in the Beaujolais. They'd be very happy with 40 hectoliters per hectare. Yeah. But in Alsace, I mean, I remember even 
you know, well-respected, excellent natural vignerons saying in 2018 they were doing like over 100 hectoliters per hectare, you know, on uh, certain whites. Which 20, 20, 22 was that yeah. way as well, huge. Yeah. Then again, if it's good because you have so a lot. It's got to ferment it all. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, you can do, but you've got to, you know, take the right angle, say, well, you know, um, in, in the, the Jura, the Pinot Noir was, uh, it was ripe. He was um, 12, 12.5. So mm. it's ripe enough. But the, being you know grown in such quantities you can't you t- even ripe right, the ripeness is the sugar into it that make the alcohol okay but it's still vegetal type of you know yes so you maybe you do a rosé of pinot noir from the jar some, mm. some you know way out uh, making something drinkable the res will be um, even i don't know what we'll see but maybe the aging of a year in a barrel would uh, polish that that mm-hmm. vegetally type mm-hmm. i don't mind the vegetable yeah but, but sometimes it's kind of harsh and you and you find it's related to yields or it's related to more the terroir that there or, i don't know yeah. it's, it's uh, 2022 was very odd it's, it's okay. really um the, the rain came at, at a time that you're not expecting anymore okay. it came away like for uh, jean christophe told me he had a huge couple of uh, rainstorms of big ones mm-hmm. week before he decided yeah. to pick up the grapes so he diluted his uncle down mm-hmm. and uh, he had bulk yeah. and uh, it, the ripeness was at th- that one week of of beautiful water and hot mm-hmm. made a great vintage yeah and yeah. uh you know it's just luck really yeah. <laughs> or you know maybe you know if you believe in yeah. <laughs> the climate um, like an intuition and knowing, yeah. uh, know, well, knowing you know, how to take risks you taste the grapes they're not ripe you wait on a bit but you can get hurt by, by mm-hmm. storms you know or hell mm-hmm. I don't know and then in terms of other kind of developments in the in the natural wine world uh, over the past 10 years let's say I, know, I think it's been interesting to witness uh, the, the kind of you know now now natural wine the, the culture the scene the, the wish to do it the wish to make it whether or not they're making it to very exacting standards is, is a global phenomenon now sure. and uh, it's been interesting to see how the, this these what used to be a very small subculture in France it's now become you know the message has been you know transmitted far and wide and so you're you're getting derivations you're getting different uh, it's evolving as it goes so like I'm, I'm curious to, to hear your uh, your opinion on certain things that are very trendy for example in natural wine in the USA so I'm told oh. I, don't, I don't live there either but like for example what do you think about uh, uh, Piquet does, does that interest you yeah actually <laughs> we had this uh, just an, an odd week in, in the Jura and we went to see a friend of Francois and he said try that I said, Fuck. I was t- 11 in the morning I just said bloody hell it looks like um, a Pinot a Trousseau a Broussard it's a red wine He's so watery. I'm, I'm mm. surprised. Yeah. And uh, this chap, Christian, his name is Christian Moore, and he'd given us a piquet, yeah. slightly fizzy. Yeah. And so we took with Francois, and we took to Julien Guyot, and we took to uh, Jean-Pierre Rich, mm. and they all try in their own regions, yeah, yeah. but different ways of doing the piquet. J- uh, J- Julien was kind of disappointed with his own job. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Jean-Pierre had done a great job, not using sugar, but. Um, you know, it kept a, a ma of, of Gewürztraminer yeah. to mm-hmm. sweeten up his yeah. juice of Pinot. Mm-hmm. And experimental, and, you know, no fuss, but, you know, you drank it. Yeah. And the, the one from, from Christian in Chateau Chalon was, you could drink buckets of it. It was okay. 0.8, uh, 8.5 Eight, maybe. Yeah, 8.5 degrees alcohol. Not too acid, not too yeah. vegetal. It was Christ. It's, it's funny, it's, it's, such a, it's such a devalued and, uh, you know, devalued product, but it's extremely hard to do one well. I and mean, perhaps that's why yeah, it's devalued. it's not easy. Yeah, it's it's not easy. But, and then people yeah. in those days, they'd drink piquet because he was... Uh, you know, it's like maybe leftovers grapes from here and there. Yeah. And it's a bit just, and it was that, that, that daily drink mm-hmm. that they could drink and work as well, you know. So um, mm-hmm. it's those days, people wouldn't waste, you know. There was a, yeah. few, a few, like now with machine picking, you know, mm-hmm. you see. Uh, we, we call the, the driver of the machine say, fuck, you've forgotten so many grapes, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, so people come after them and then they pick the grapes. They're allowed to, yeah. allowed to. You know the glanage and yeah, pick yeah. up the grapes and do a barrel for for yeah. their own taste, you know, exactly, and for yeah. for their own wine. It can be a, a poor wine, really, if you if you if you technically observe the stuff. But you know, people drink it. But yeah, it's, it's free. cheap. It's, yeah. yeah, it's cheap, cheap, free. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's free wine is the phrase works in a lot of different ways. You know? yeah. yeah, but you know, yeah. our, our you know our grand grandfather would waste very little. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't. Um, they didn't care. So it was uh, bottle in was cold. They um, still drink it. <laughs> like for, and more and more these days, a lot from Central Europe, Eastern Europe, you're finding a lot of uh, undisgorged pet nuts. Yeah. Um, 
How do you feel about pet nat disgorgement versus undisgorgement? Do you think? Uh... Honestly, I would. I, I prefer. Um, I prefer disgorge one. Mm-hmm. Um, Why is that? Not. <laughs> it's, it's always the the risk that you know. It, depending if you, if you you've observed the density well, then you won't pop up in the face. But mm-hmm. usually, if you if you leave all the yeast inside, mm-hmm. you you lose half the bottle. Yeah. But obviously, the degorgement is a technique. Which I like. I like a clear. But if there's a few, you know, bits and pieces. But if it's cloudy, you know, Jean-Pierre has done, was doing both. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Jean-Pierre Robineau, and um, he was always very, very, very talented at, at doing pet nut. Yeah, his sparkling wine. Christian, Christian is gone Chaussard. now. Chris, yeah. Christian, Christian was doing Chaussard. Great stuff. I mm-hmm. tasted not long back uh, wines from uh, Fizz, huh? Fizzy wines, uh, pet nut from uh, from uh, Nicolas Renard. Mm-hmm. Clean, pure, yeah. and the disgorgement is when you accelerate stuff. You want to have it clean sooner. So yeah. if you take time, usually if you leave the stuff in a barrel, you've got to be careful about density. That's very important and cool, a cool place. Any yeah, yeah, bits, if a few clouds, all right. If it's too thick, I don't like it. Yeah, if it's opaque, it kind of yeah, it changes the taste. All you know, get is yeah. the sweetness and the chalkiness of the leaves. Yeah, yeah. And nothing else. It, yeah. Does you don't have the purity? It looks you know unfinished, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My taste. Yeah, but you know. If and, that's uh, all there is to drink, I'll drink it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, how do you feel about, um, there's been more and more people experimenting, not just in the USA, but especially in the USA, but also even some people in France with uh, fermenting grapes with other fruit. Yeah. Mixtures of yeah. You know, apple and mm-hmm. uh, grapes. Or, I've tested yeah. a few. It's kind of, um, it's like beer, you know, with that beer with peanut butter or lavender. <laughs> it's, it's getting too far, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I don't mind, for instance, a guy in uh, in Avalon who works for Kikro, uh, mm-hmm. and um, he's Gros. normally <laughs> he does he does that sort of blending. Kikro is married to a, a lady from Quebec, mm-hmm. and they were doing cider mm-hmm. with uh, hops. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, I fell back on my ass, as they say en français, yeah. tombé sur le cul. Such a great. Improbable mix and yeah. it's really good. I don't think you can drink it throughout the year. You'll drink yeah. cider or beer, but yeah. that mix was an excellent, uh, yeah. new sort of interesting with great flavors yeah. and it wouldn't, wouldn't step over each other. It's like in a line, very smoothly managed. I really like that. And then yeah. the fruit, you know, beer with fruit is made, but then you know, the fermentation, I don't know how it works really. I should in- inquire. Uh, the yeast doesn't work the same speed, exactly, or, yeah. and they you know interfere. I don't know. There's been some you know, decent experiences. Yeah, it, yeah, it becomes such a complex field when you have the, the, all these new set of variable variables, like the terroir of the strawberries or whatever you're putting in, as well as the terroir yeah. of the, and, and yeah. that it, it's almost like you find yourself without a leg to stand on uh, in terms of the intellectual framework one is applying to the beverage. Yeah, at some point, you know, you've got to stop going too far and say well you know strawberries strawberries then you say strawberries have to be organic or mm-hmm. you know, natural like he's in the garden here yeah okay but you can't like it's, you know the soil is very important you know the granite the shales the um the, the limestone obviously the sandstone but you see you can't spend days to say well the upper part or the bottom part of the vineyards is different and then you say the, the first rows on the left is different from the, th- the three on the right it's it's endless, and you've got to be you know it's like most vineyard vignerons, the proper ones. I really I'm, I'm, I'm adore him. It's he's very very interesting. I really like him, uh, Mac Petit Max in Beaujolais. Mm-hmm. And I said to him once, he was giving me a tasting of all the barrels in the cellars. I said, fuck, I want this one. Mm-hmm. I said, I want this three hundred bottles for my tea, yeah. for my taste. Yeah. How much do you want? He said, no, come on, don't be. You, you must be kidding. This yeah. is the best from Saint Joseph, Papa. Yeah, yeah. With the two, two, yeah, the very old. And lines. he was mixing the rest. He yeah. said, this this one barrel and better the rest. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, oh, it's a pity. Fuck, you know. But you know, that was the way it was. And um, I, I really like him. He's a great man. Yeah, it's nice to not be too precious about it. I, I, I love Petit Max too, incidentally. Yeah, yeah. yeah but Bujolis is a very. Um, Special, you know, there's some fantastic stuff and some very poor wines, you know, mm-hmm. really uh, rough and sweet. And, and it, you, you wonder whether, whether they use grapes at all, you know, so mm-hmm. it's bad. But I, I like, uh, the, you know, many guys are great. And uh, it's, uh, there's always a generation. When Beaujolais, that's the end of a generation of mm-hmm. great people, you know, you know, probably under the boot or the, the hand of, of Marcel Lapierre. They're all going to retirement soon, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
But the new generations, there's been a there's replacement been so again. So you know, Jules, Jules, Jules uh, Metra is doing yeah. a great job. Uh, uh, Pierre Coton, the son mm. of Guy Coton, is doing super stuff. And you know, sons of of, uh, of Agnès and Jean Foyard are very, very talented. It's great. And the gamme is is it's always uh, looked down on by most people. Gamme is a, a shitty grape. It's not right. And it's uh, mm. you know, Julie Balagny this beautiful stuff. Yvon, not mentioned, you yeah. know, and plenty of, of, you know, so many of them. Chamonard, Chamonard in the, in the shade of the others, you know, in the, he's doing so good wines, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I like it. It's a very important generation. But, you know, there's great wines everywhere, even in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, if, I, if, if I'd fly more often, I'd go to Oregon and, yeah. and Washington more often, so, but I don't like the flying as much. So. Yeah, I understand. And here in Loche... Uh, you know, we're in, we're in roughly the Touraine area. I see you even have wines here in the garden. I, you know, <laughs> will, you, will you make a little wine? Will you no, do a little demi here? That's, you know, that's just table grapes. grapes. Eat, yeah, table grapes. And I, yeah. I grew, I'm growing down the bottom here, uh, Muscat yeah. d'Ambourg, all black, yeah. same table. Yeah. I was I was wanting to, uh, to using this facility here yeah. to crash, and then with a uh, hose yeah, down in the cellars, yeah, straight. Yeah. But it's hard to buy grapes. You know, you've got to have a company of negociants to buy. Yeah. yeah, you can buy. You can. You, it's about thousand euros to start yeah. a small negociant uh, buying buying facility. You could also just uh, uh, take yeah. get free grapes. I mean, sure. there's, there's always a band yeah, and buy yeah. somewhere. Yeah. You know. But you know, I've sort of thought it over and said, if I'm not making my wine, I'll go to see my mates and I'll buy wine just after uh, after the the, um, the mellow, mellow fermentation. Oh, okay. And then use uh, those big dummy johns, massive, mm-hmm. you know, I've got many of them. Yeah. Fill them up um, with Christophe Fouché, we discussed mm-hmm. it already. He hasn't made up his mind, but buy, you um, know, to fill up at 10 liters or 15 oh, of, yeah. uh, of Sauvignon. Yeah. That's already high volatile, but we can, t- with time, we can do a Rancio style mm-hmm. or we could do a, a, a voile even, you know, yeah. why not? I mean, and it's, then it's buy, easy buy. to find a tiny little press too, you know, yeah, just do a press yeah. here. Might as well if you're yeah. going to go that far, you know, like, yeah. yeah. But, you know, the uh, I've discussed with lots of people, I've discussed with François with Sébastien Riffaut, with mm-hmm. mates, you know, I like Babas, Jean-Christ, Jérôme, Gilda Bicler, all these guys, yeah. and very random talk about how to use a bonbon, you know, the, the, the glass uh, damage-ons, yeah. rather than a barrel. Say, well, makes sense, you can do. Yeah. It totally It'll agree. be a very different um, oxidation of the wine. Yeah, there's different so, so, little, so little porosity, yeah. yeah. A small volume and mm-hmm. it, you know the glass is, is not like wood it mm-hmm. wouldn't go into it very yeah. often the only but problem is if you buy you know the 50 liters i've got a couple of 50 liters bonbon yeah <laughs> it's, well, you have to have many friends to drink it to lift yeah yeah you really, need, you really need the cage that goes with it otherwise you've got you can, two you can three really days to well, four days maybe to finish it so well, you got to bottle it yeah maybe with a bottle a little, it. A little little yeah 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 oh yeah if i would bottling that i'd do that with loads yeah definitely I mean, you, you mentioned uh, you, you mentioned Sebastian Rifo there. I know, yeah. uh, and uh, I know you were one of the signatories of the letter yeah. circulated. Well, in he's his a good defense. friend of mine. It's yeah. true. I've known him when he was twenties, forty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys were the same generation in the Paris. I mean, he was working at Lavinia around the time yeah, yeah, you know, that you yeah. were working. There I knew too. him then. Then, yeah. but uh, I mean, it's uh, it's there's been I know, I know there's been some blowback against people who signed the letter because of of the. But for you, it was important to take a stand for. Yeah, well, as uh, as I would have of, uh, for, for uh, something I knew, for, and uh, yeah. well, the process is not my it's not my thing. But mm. uh, some some f- friends of mine wouldn't talk to me anymore because I'd signed a letter. Yeah. Say, well, I mean, you know, say why not? Say no, you you took the wrong side. I said, well, maybe I'll wait on the judgment it's been made, and I feel sorry that our world mm-hmm. is a small world and it's been. You know, hurt and, and diminished by that story, everyone taking sides, which is all right. But, you know, I spoke to many people that, that you you and I know, and they would look me down because I, I took a side. And I mm-hmm. said, uh, you know, well, you know, if, if he's guilty of whatever, I'll be the first to go and punch him in the face. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, but the justice was underway. So he's been hurt. But, uh, he's been here a couple of times with his family and wife yeah. and kids. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, it's been, I'd it's, like this story to be to to start. I spoke to Antonin about this, mm-hmm. and he said, "Well, it's a very complex um, case, which I understand. I've read all that was to to be read about it, mm-hmm. and um, let's go back to doing natural wine. You know, that's that's my idea. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you, you know, I, I don't know Isabel Pierrot. I've, I've tasted mm-hmm. her wines, never run into her, but I, I definitely it wasn't done out of malice. What she did, I mean, no, I know, no, I know her no. for a long time too. But I know. definitely know a a, a fight around." You know, a, a, a will to stop some 
very, very filthy, nasty actions towards women is just the fairest on earth. Mm -hmm. But the way that the, the, the truth, whatever well, was the truth, you know, you don't know. She, he was accused of stuff that, you know, no one accused him in front of the, tri of the tribunal. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's but of course, it's a system, it's a judiciary yeah. system that places a lot of and burden on victims yeah. in, in these and situations. Too much, too much. Yeah. Um, Justice made through the, the you know the, the networks, and so people say that's what made it such a touchy subject. Yeah, because of course, yeah. like no one was really particularly happy with the way that these anonymous accusations were thrown at him, because it's true. Like the justice system can't function like that. It's no. not. It's not healthy. Well, the judge said, you know, I've, but I've at got the same no time, but at the same time, you know, this uh, at, the, at the same time the the overwhelming nature of a lot of these again mostly anonymous accusations. Do make you question, you know, whether there was a real, sure. you know, where there's smoke, there's fire yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, and, but it's uh, true. But so it's the, it's been very hard to write about. No, yeah. complex. And you know, even with a, a sorrow, well, you, you, you're a journalist. You know, to you know, you speak to people, and the accused, some some people accused him of of doing nasty stuff, mm -hmm. but never spoke to him indirectly and say, well, you know, well, tell us your, your view about this this, this issue. Mm -hmm. And this they accused him, and the journalists kept on. It's hard, you know. It's it's a very very touchy subject yeah, to say. Yeah. And um, I want people, you know, if I have one word to say, is just yeah. let's go back to grow grapes and have it ferment and give pleasure to people that buy the wine, and uh, you know share it and uh, enjoy. This last short say entre guillemets, no time to lose time on. Um, it's been judged. Finished over. Well, no, the, 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 the the defamation case has been judged, but the, none of the victims have no, no. <laughs> arguably but had any judge have any yeah, justice. Yeah, most well, the victims. But they need to identify Denmark themselves to have to get justice on some level, yeah. which is again, it's a, and that's not a that's not a wonderful status quo for you know, even the most sure. enlightened societies don't have a good record of you know prosecuting these acts or getting them reported enough sure. because of how much reputational harm it can do to the victims sure. and how much time it requires in them to continue relive traumatic sure. situations yeah, so yeah, yeah. No, it's true. yeah it's true. so it's a, that's that's the tough part of that situation which is you know it's caught between a rock and a hard place you know in the sense of like uh, the, the the incipient weaponization of the internet about every small slight issue and and also the willing the, the wish to want to take victims seriously uh, sure. and yeah. in the way that they're most comfortable with defended. expressing yeah, themselves yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But anyway, it's true. It's nice. To, I mean, it's uh, it's it's interesting when natural wine becomes bigger than much bigger than natural wine. You know? <laughs> like with, for example, you know, when you know, if, to speaking of the Jura, with the, the purchase of Ganavat by yeah, the, by the yeah. Swiss Russian investor who was the son of the oligarch who then was found himself on the sanctions list. It's well, it's crazy. Fanfan Ganavat took the business again. He took over. It's yeah, yeah. It may yeah. have been a little it's, it's accounting sleight of hand in that scenario. Yeah, most of the <laughs> yeah. is, is fellow uh, winemakers in the jar were really pissed off. He said, you know, the, he's going to have the prices go up. We, we won't be able to buy our, uh, in, on yeah. our old plot of land anymore, which is true. Lots of Bengenian buy from where they cross the, the, the river, the Sonne, yeah. by Injura. And, and that's, not that's necessarily really a, a Russian. It's, it's all proper French from New Saint-Georges and Bourne. Totally. They've got the cash. So yeah. they, can, they buy off. And they buy the house, the yeah. farms and everything. And it, that's really something that's hard for us to understand. Or, I mean, I remember it took me a long time to understand it after moving to France. In America, people think that if your prices are, if you if you're, if if you make a product and its prices are go going up, then that's a good thing. People think that if you own land and its value is going up, then that's always a good thing. And they don't. It, it's not in the American ideology to understand that that's not a great cycle to be in, no, and that that will eliminate really. pays on agriculture. It's only the richer, the richest, uh, exactly the, the guys that got more money get more yeah. land, and it's yeah. you know, and the small you know local bloke uh, yeah. chap or lady that mm -hmm. you know goes to uh, the, the school at Montmoreau. And he wants to buy a few acres to start his business and slowly build up his domain. Yeah. Won't be able to anymore. Exactly. No one wants. No one wants Rotaliano or you know or, or, not Rotaliano. Uh, Rotalier. Uh, no the one village. wants Rotalier or, or Arbois to become Saint Emilion. No, you know? no. And uh, but Rotalier has become the hype. You know, yeah, yeah. Labbe's there. Yeah. Uh, Fonfon, the Japanese bloke, is great. Kenji, Kenji yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Such yeah. a good man. But his guy, this guy's—I don't know where the money comes from. But he's—I think he's bought off his sweat and, and hard work. You know, mm -hmm. he was working for Bruno Schiller and yeah, that. Yeah. Probably saved money. Home, yeah. I don't think he had. He was lucky to buy the, the land before it got up yeah, on yeah. price. 
but he does a great job. You never can drink his wine. It's very unfortunate because it's very good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's arguably that's another thing that we're defending in, you know, the, with the idea of natural wine is, is natural wine against speculation on natural wine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. yeah. It's all linked. Well, we, we figure out as, as retailers, you know, you say, well, it's funny. I've got six bottles of, um, for instance, Jérôme Sorigny or mm-hmm. six bottles of, uh, of uh, Domaine Celos. And there's a guy said, do you have Celos? I saw the blue say, well, yeah, I've got a few bottles of mm-hmm. uh, this cuvee, the Ovillier, no, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, can I pop in and buy them tout à l'heure? I said, yeah. yeah, why not? <laughs> it, it's not my... Yeah. Then probably the guy buys it at 125 our retail price and sells it at 250 on the net or yeah. 350 And it's, it's, not, it's not for me. Yeah. I've got my share, which yeah. is already mucked up. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the winemaker says, you know, I do the wine, I buy the bottles, I've got to save money for the succession. And at the end, who's making money? Yeah, it's the it's the grey market afterwards. And people say, oh, Coche du Riz has, has increased its prices. Yeah. Fact, you know, let's be fair. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, Jean does great stuff. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a few crates every year, yeah. 36, 48, something. It's okay it's yeah. for me to drink. And it's enough for one we, month at least. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, <laughs> well, it, you know, when it's good, yeah, you drink yeah, a lot yeah. of it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's fast going. I can definitely go through a lot of sorry. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, speaking of which, we should we, should, we should we should have a have a splash of wine before before we. Yeah, hit yeah the road we'll again. have a drink yeah. for sure. Yeah, but uh, but I, I wanna, I, you I wanna, can have a look at the cellars as well because it's worth I, it. I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait. Uh, but I want to thank you so much for for speaking with me today. It's and my for, pleasure. For having and us around in Loche. It's such it's a pleasure to, to see you again yeah, as well. It's yeah. une bonne maladie. Exactly. Le vin naturel, ça se passe comme la comme yes. le choléra ou la peste. Exactly. It's a, no, it's a, it's a it's a good it's a good uh, infectious disease. He's saying, you know, it, yeah, it, it, it passes it's, from one it's, to another. It's, it's mainly you know pleasure and uh, sharing. A lot yeah. of it is. Well, and it was the pleasure for yeah. me. It was the pleasure of going to visit you on my way home from work yeah. back in 2009, <laughs> 2010. And I always knew that if I was going to walk into the Cave de Lancelite, it'd be I'd be there for 45 minutes or an hour and a half because I'd be chatting with you, yeah. we'd, be, we'd be opening some things, and yeah. I, I learned so much there. I guess and it really, you to talk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it changed my life. And you know, we yeah. were probably, you know, there's other shops that would do that, but um, we're the first to sort of um, have our customers meet the winemakers. Say, you buying wines from here? You like this one? Mm-hmm. Here's the man or the lady doing it. Here, yeah. look. Oh, yeah, great, j'adore vos vins. Mm-hmm. And it started a, a sort of, a, you know, friendship, special friendship. I love you. And say, well, you know, the guy Vigneron would say, come and see me in whatever I, I am. And it's it's a it's a cycle of helping each other. Guy called Guillaume was working for me as a sort of observateur, you know, just checking how a cellar would work. And then 10 years after, he's planting grapes south of Grenoble. He's been working for Jean-Yves Perron. So you see that, you know, you, you pass the good uh, maladie to yeah, people. put people on a beautiful path. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's, he's worked hard. Doesn't have much help from the European government. He's, he's manages, you know, he's, yeah. uh, and it's he's, he's beautiful. Well, that's—I mean—that's yeah. the best gift you can. Yeah. Uh, that's the I best mean, thing you can do when you sell, sell yes, wine pass in, in the on of Paris. With, uh, I'm is to get people on a on a yeah. good path. Yeah. Yeah. The, the friendship is important. Yeah. And, you, know, you get to know people, and you get to know their wines better, and drink more, and want to share more with more people. It's great. Well, thank you so much for that. Pleasure, Aaron. Pleasure.